Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Senate Republican leaders are determined to hold hearings on the Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett next week. That's over the objection of Democrats and despite three GOP senators testing positive for COVID-19. We get the latest on the battle over Coney Barrett's confirmation. Then Roman Mars, host of the podcast 99% Invisible, likes to tell interesting stories about things that appear to be very uninteresting, like stop signs and the bumps that mark the lanes on a freeway. These days, with the coronavirus limiting our ability to travel, Mars joins us to help uncover the gems surrounding us in our own neighborhoods. Forum is next after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Senate Republican leaders have the chance to cement a conservative majority on the Supreme Court for years to come, and they are determined to see it through. Even with at least three GOP senators, including two members of the Judiciary Committee testing positive for the virus, a growing outbreak in the White House, and sharp rebukes from Democrats. Ironically, it was a large Saturday gathering for nominee Amy Coney Barrett that may have put senators' health at risk and could stand in the way of Republicans' defining moment. Do you think the GOP should move ahead? Are you comfortable with virtual hearings for a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court? You can weigh in at KQED Forum on Twitter or Facebook or email us at forum at kqed.org. Joining me now is Jennifer Habercorn, congressional reporter for the L.A. Times. Thanks so much for joining us, Jennifer Habercorn. Thanks for having me, Mina. So can you remind us the status of the senator's health and just how precarious really this confirmation of Coney Barrett is in your view? Sure. There's three GOP senators who have uh, said that they uh, tested positive for COVID, so they're in quarantine. And there are at least three other senators who say that they're doing uh, voluntary self-isolation because of exposure to those other senators, but they have not tested positive. Senator Dianne Feinstein, the top Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, said she tested negative. Uh, there was concern that the whole Judiciary Committee was exposed to the virus when Senator Mike Lee, who tested positive and was at that Rose Garden event, um, appeared at the Judiciary Committee in the time in which he would be uh, uh, contagious. On the surface, this could cause problems for Republicans getting Amy Coney Barrett confirmed um, because Republicans have a very close margin to work with. There's 53 Republicans. They need 50 votes. There's already two senators who say that they would not support a nomination right now. So that would put them down to 51 
And if a vote were held today, those three senators who are sick would have to violate quarantine to get to the Senate floor and vote for them to be successful. Of course, presumably their uh, quarantine period will be over by the time there's a vote on the Senate floor. But the risk for Republicans is that more senators are contagious or contract the virus and it would cause problems. My bottom line is that I think Republicans are so determined to get Amy Coney, Coney Barrett confirmed that they're willing to do whatever it takes to get this through. We had one senator yesterday who said that he would show up on the Senate floor in a moon suit if he had to. Right, Another senator Johnson. cited that was Ron Johnson, Wisconsin. Another senator cited that, you know, you could roll a senator in in a wheelchair and, uh, you know, as long as he can kind of indicate to the clerk that he votes yes, um, that would count. So I do think Republicans are going to do whatever it takes to get this through. Yes. And the reason that they would need to appear in person is because McConnell requires that, correct? He did not yes. go for virtual voting for floor votes and things like that. That's right. And frankly, doing so at this time, I, I have a hard time seeing Republicans even doing virtual voting on the Senate floor. That has never been the case. The senator has to physically be in the chamber to vote, uh, either verbally or, or holding up their hand and signaling yes. So uh, I don't see a virtual vote happening. I think if, if it came down to it, senators would, you know, they would hold the vote open for hours and allow a, can, you know, a, a senator who had any fear of the virus to vote, you know, literally by himself. But these are somewhat extreme scenarios. And the goal is to have that vote taken by what date? They haven't set an exact date. Um, they definitely want to do it by election day. The soonest they'd be able to do it is likely the week of uh, October 26th, the last week of October and a week before the election. I see. And so and you it sounds like based on at least what you were saying from Ron Johnson saying that he would appear in a moon suit if he had to to be able to vote that you're not hearing a lot of rumblings from Republican senators about concerns over health and safety holding this up. Besides, of course, the two uh, senators, Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, who already said that they were opposed to confirming a nominee so close to the election. Right. Uh, no, no hesitation at all. I mean, Republicans are saying literally full steam ahead. They're going to do this. Um, that was uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Uh, Lindsey Graham, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, have said the same thing. Um, they they will not let even COVID stop them from this confirmation process. And what is what are the key arguments coming from Democrats against this? So Democrats have cited a lot of concern, you know, not only with Amy Comey Barrett's uh, record in the courts, but also with COVID. You know, they're saying that um, Republicans should agree to mandatory testing, particularly before the Senate Judiciary Committee hearings, which will get underway next week. They want every senator and staffer in the room to commit to having a COVID test. Um, and they are resistant to the idea of a virtual hearing. While the Judiciary Committee has done some virtual or you know, partially virtual, partially in-person hearings during the pandemic. They say that a Supreme Court nomination is important enough that it should be conducted in person where senators have an opportunity to go back and forth and, you know, actually respond to the witness um, or each other. You know, as, as we all know by now, Zoom is not the best portal in which to have a, a really meaningful back and forth with multiple people involved. So they say that this should be done virtually and that testing should be done and of course, they have long um, time concerns with Amy Comey Barrett for policy reasons, but they're really focusing right now on the, the testing element and the safety. I see. And it, I mean, in terms of 
Mitch McConnell's been trying to say that, you know, we've been doing sort of hybrid or virtual committee hearings for a while now, you know, more than 100 of them. And of course, the Democrats mm-hmm. are saying, well, this is not like any other committee hearing. This is a confirmation uh, for a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court. But what do you think of the strength of that argument? Well, I think we have to keep in mind that Republicans control the chamber, so they can really do whatever they want. And, um, you know, there's a lot of Democrats who are questioning kind of how aggressively to push back on that. You know, do do Democrats really go to the mat and make uh, elaborate displays of their uh, frustration, um, hold up the Senate in every way possible, potentially boycott the vote in the the Senate Judiciary Committee to make that point. Um, But we do have to keep in mind, as long as Republicans have 50 votes, as long as there's there's 50 Republican senators who want to vote yes and can vote yes, um, they're going to be able to do what they want. They can override precedent. They can override rules um, in order to get this through. Well, Maria writes, are Republican senators required by law to reveal positive COVID results? I wonder if more have tested positive but are concealing it. That's a very good question. And that's one that I have as well. There is no requirement to reveal Uh, COVID testing status, whether they've been tested at all or the results. You know, so far, I think we as a country have kind of relied on everyone's good faith um, ability to to share that information if someone tests positive. Um, Senator Charles Grassley, one of the top Republicans on the Judiciary Committee, he's 87 years old. He has said that he does not think he needs to get tested for COVID. He was in that Judiciary Committee hearing with Senator Mike Lee, who was positive, but he said that he doesn't believe and that uh, the the attending physician of the Senate told him that he doesn't need to get that COVID test. So there are some real concerns that Democrats have that um, this Judiciary Committee hearing, if people show up in person, could end up being a super spreader event in itself. Yeah, and it's not just the health of the senators, but the staffers who work with these senators, the reporters Mm -hmm. who are in the room. And of course, we're hearing about an ever-widening number of people at the White House right now who are testing positive to housekeepers, a valet reportedly. I mean, it feels like it's ever-growing. And as you mentioned, while we are relying on people's honesty, as we all know, the revelation of Hope Hicks' positive test was by a reporter. Mm-hmm. Letty tweets, it depends on what the Democrats can do. McConnell prevented Democrats from doing remote voting before, so he'll have to be a hypocrite again, and will Congress have to agree again on remote voting? Lori writes, normally I'm a very moderate person, but I'm so angry about Republicans blocking Merrick Garland, but now rushing to approve Trump's nominee. Is there anything that the Democrats can do to prevent the nomination before the election, or even during the lame duck period, if that's necessary? Your reaction to Lori's point, because I think she also gets at this question of how much of a political risk potentially are Republicans taking if as polls show, most Americans think that the person elected to be president in November should actually get to choose the nominee. Oh, I mean, the the caller is uh, the 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 listener is getting at exactly um, concerns that Democrats and Republicans have. I mean, Republicans know that doing this could be a gamble. They are gambling that um, a third appointee to the Supreme Court is going to galvanize their base. You know, remember that Republican voters care very much about the courts. And they see this as, you know, think back to in uh, in 2016, when Trump won the nomination, a lot of Republicans got on board because of things like the courts, that 
you know, a Republican president in office could have a, a very long term, you know, decades long legacy on the Supreme Court because of the people they put there. So this is what Republicans really focus on. So the, these uh, Republican senators, they are taking a chance. But I do think that for some of them, they think, you know, even if this vote were to cost me my race, I can play a part in the long term uh conservative move on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also thinking that if it galvanizes the voters to turn out for Trump, they're going to turn out for them as well in their Senate races. Um, it could, so it's, it's a lot. Some Democrats are saying that it really feels like the sentiment of the public, especially if they're angry about this, could be justification if they do win to try to add justices to the court. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think this is very interesting. You know, right when, um, right after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, Democrats said, you know, if Republicans move forward with this nomination, nothing is off the table next year. And that was an implicit nod to these talks about getting rid of the Senate filibuster, which would be, make it easier to pass legislation, um, and packing the courts, adding seats to the Supreme Court and filling them with um, presumably liberal nominees. We heard that talk die down a little bit um, because Democrats want to focus their frustrations with Amy Comey Barrett's record on things like the Affordable Care Act and abortion rights. But I do think we're going to see um, that come back. And I do think Democrats will feel even more galvanized if they win the majority in the Senate and the White House next year to move forward on some of these things. It is pretty incredible that this president will have the opportunity. I mean, he's already filled two seats. We'll have the opportunity to fill a third. Jennifer Habercorn, thanks so much for talking with us. Great to be with you. Jennifer Habercorn, congressional reporter for the Los Angeles Times, talking with us about the latest in the battle over Amy Coney Barrett's Supreme Court confirmation hearings. Thanks to our listeners for their comments. We'll have more forum after the break, this time talking with Roman Mars about all the invisible and overlooked wonders of surrounding us in our own neighborhoods and cities. So stay with us for that. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.